I would love to read today. If you could turn with me in your bulletins to the scripture reading. Today we'll be reading from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 16. Romans 3, or sorry, Romans 12, 3 through 16. You can follow along in the bulletin. If reading isn't your thing, you can just listen, or you can use your own Bibles if you'd like to as well. Let's read this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Lord, we bring this word, we bring ourselves to you, asking that you would anoint this time. We need your Holy Spirit. We need you to come We need you to be present. We need you to open our hearts. We need you to remove barriers and distractions. We need you to help us to hear your voice clearly. We need you to give life to what is dead in us. We need resurrection power. We need Jesus. And so we're coming to him. We're asking you to give us food to eat because we're weak. We're starving for you. We need life. Do all that and more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we mentioned last week, we launched a new exciting initiative in the church called One Body, Many Parts. The language of one body, many parts, of course, comes from the Bible's use of the human body as a metaphor for the church. And the vision of this initiative, One Body, Many Parts, is simply this. You heard it earlier, that at Grace Meridian Hill, we want to see every member loving you and every member loved you, cared for, belonging, known, comforted, and serving, giving, contributing, empowered 
to care for one another as God in Christ has cared for you. And so we kicked things off last week looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And there we were reminded that being the body means being together. A single unit intimately connected with one another. To belong to one another in family-like community. Do you long for that? To weave our lives together. To be on mission together. Pursuing the incredible purposes of God for the church the body of Christ, namely to provide eternal comfort for those who are wounded and lonely, to nurture people into life-changing Christ-like maturity in their faith, to invite people to embrace Jesus for life and salvation, not only within our community but also in the neighborhood, to lift up the poor and the marginalized, all this for the praise and the glory of God in Christ. And as we finished up, we noted that there's this amazing conclusion to this proposition that the metaphor of the body of Christ brings before us, and it's this, who gets the amazing privilege of building up this body? Who gets the amazing privilege of growing in this fashion? Who possesses the supernatural ability, the out-of-this-world ability to advance this eternal, supernatural mission. Well, according to Scripture, it's not a bunch of religious professionals. It's not a special class of super spiritual people, as it were. It's you. It's you. It's little old you and me. It's ordinary, flawed, and broken people who have been called into the body of Christ as its members. We're the ones that have this privilege, this power to be eternal transformation agents for the good of the church body and for the good of the world around us. In other words, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are not only called to receive love, and you are, you are also called to give love in ordinary ways, in simple ways, in quiet ways, in behind-the-scene ways, in clear ways, in caring ways, in relational ways. You are called to love one another, and you are called to love neighbors. And today, we're going to look at one of the most important ways that you can love, that you must love in and through the body of Christ, and that is by using your spiritual gifts. Your spiritual gifts. But what is a spiritual gift? Can we start there? What is a spiritual gift? Spiritual gifts as we find it in this passage and also in other places in the New Testament, are simply abilities, talents, strengths, experiences, passions that you have, that you have been given, that are uniquely empowered by God's Spirit for the building up of his body and through his body the building up of your neighbors. Abilities, experiences, passions, 
These are our gifts. You see in verse 6, this reference to gifts, we have different gifts. It's the unique way that you, 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 you love most effectively. It's not the only way that you love. In fact, it's always important to note that God calls us to love, yes, in our weaknesses. God calls us to love even in our seeming foolishness. Not always when it feels good, not always when we feel strong. This is the nature of the gospel, love through weakness, the story of the cross. But it is also a calling. There is a calling to love through our strengths, through our abilities, through our gifts, the unique way that you love most effectively. Well, there are a couple other things this passage tells us about the nature of gifts. We're told about the inclusivity of gifts. Verse 6, we have different gifts. The apostle's talking to the entire church with no exception. According to the grace given to each of us, every single one of you who named Jesus as your Savior and the head of the church. In other words, each and every one of us, every single follower of Christ who's been united to the body of Christ has a spiritual gift. Has a spiritual gift. Everyone has something to offer. We see not only the inclusivity of our gifts, we also see the effects of our gifts. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We're reminded that these gifts are empowered by supernatural grace. So we're not just talking about natural talents. We're not just talking about your personality. Although God can take those things and juice it up with his spirit, but it requires grace from God to make these things a spiritual gift because the point of a spiritual gift is to have lasting spiritual effect. Something that only God could do in another person's life because of the manner in which you loved. We learn about the effects of the gift. We're also told about the goal of our gifts, and that goal is love. Gifts are not there just to make us feel good about ourselves. Hey, look at all my talents, how great I am. Gifts aren't there just simply to be put in our back pocket. Gifts are given to us for the purposes of love. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 puts it this way. Now to each one, gifts are given, why? For the common good. Our gifts are ways you love others best. And so it's not surprising to find the second half of this passage addressing all the manifold ways in which we are called in the gospel to love. Verses 9 through 16 and actually continuing beyond that. Love this way, love that way, love this way, love that way. But you, through your gifts, can love in each of these ways uniquely and with special effect. Your gifts are different ways that you love, different ways you honor one another, verse 10. Your gifts are different ways that you share with the Lord's people who are in need. Your gifts are different ways of practicing hospitality, ways in which it best serves those according to how you're wired 
and graced. Your gifts are different ways of blessing those who persecute you, different ways of rejoicing and mourning, different ways of not being proud but being willing to associate with people of low position. The goal of our gifts is to love better, to love with more lasting effect. This passage also points to the variety of our gifts. Verse 4, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. Not everybody has the same gifts. You are differently strengthened, differently gifted, differently empowered, perhaps, than the person next to you. It it reminds us of the significance that every single one of you have in the body of Christ. There's some way that you can contribute to the life of the community, to the change of another person's life that maybe no one else in the room is able to contribute. It reminds you of your significance. You have something to contribute. And so, therefore, there should be no passive Christians in the life of the church. Where you're just kind of coming in to listen to a sermon. And yes, you may be blessed and you may grow even. But rather, you begin to understand when you catch this vision, you begin to understand that you come in not just asking, how can I be served, but rather, how can I serve? Not just how can I benefit, but how can I benefit someone else? And not just how can I consume, but rather, how can I now contribute to the body of Christ and through the body to the watching world? I mean, do you understand if we're taking this idea of gifts seriously, that not everyone has the same gifts, that you are uniquely strengthened and empowered to do what you can do, then that means, that means, there are certain people sitting right around you that only you can connect with in the way that you can connect with them. There are certain people in the neighborhood that only you can comfort in the way that you can uniquely comfort There are certain people that you have been appointed to love. That you are therefore now obligated by the love and the lavish love and grace of Christ to find in order to serve in love with overflowing joy. Do you want to sign up for that privilege? For that adventure? To every day that you step into body life or into the neighborhood or the church where you're almost literally asking yourself, who has God, by my gifts, called me to serve today? I wonder who it's going to be. I wonder what situation it might be. I wonder what void God might bring me into to fill. How is God calling me to love today in a way that no one else can love? That'll get you up in the morning, won't it? We're also told in this passage about the limitations of our gifts. Now, that sounds negative. But, of course, the implications are clear that if not all have the same function, not all have the same gifts, then that means not everyone contributes in the same way. Not everyone has the same impact. Not everyone can do what everyone can do. That means I can't be all the gifts and do all the things, and I need you. 
And we need each other. And we need to be a total package, a whole body. We're going to look at this a little bit more next week. But there are a variety of gifts because there are a variety of needs in the church and a variety of brokennesses in our world. And these gifts are assigned to those needs and to these people that we are called to love. And no one person, no matter how gifted, can meet all of those needs. So we need each other. And we need to be in this together. Because there's a built-in limitation to each of our gifts. You cannot do it all, not on your own. And that's a joy to be in partnership to be, as this passage says, to be members where each member belongs to the others, dependent on one another in the gospel. And so, of course, it raises these questions that I'm inviting you to ponder throughout the next week and the next two weeks. So what are your gifts? What are your gifts? What are those abilities? that you've been given, those experiences and passions of your heart? What are these gifts that you have seen actually take spiritual effect in other people's lives? There's a provenness to it already. Things that sort of churn your soul in the best sense of activating what you feel like you were made to be and do. This passage gives us a sample of seven gifts. We find this Starting in verse 6, I'll read it again. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Prophesying, which is a form of teaching or exhorting people. Serving, teaching, encouraging giving, leading, showing mercy, in other words, caring for people in suffering, relieving their pain, all these different ways. This is not meant to be an exhaustive list as if these are the only gifts that Christ has given people in his church. It's just a sampling. But you can use it to sort of start to probe your heart in your life and to ask yourself, well, do any of these sort of connect with me? Is there, is there an ability to teach that, that I have, that I can humbly say I, I've got that I must now use? Or maybe a unique way in which you are able to show mercy where, where you, real, you are good at walking alongside people in their pain. And you might even do it so naturally or supernaturally, you might even not even notice it because it just flows out of who you are. But when you evaluate those around you, you can say with all humility, not everyone is like me. You've got a gift of mercy, of encouragement, where you just naturally say words to lift people up, especially when you see them down. Not just to puff them up, but to strengthen their soul, their heart. Is that you? Do you have such gifts? You do have such gifts. Just thinking this past week about different people in our church. You know, Angela Termont came to mind. She, she's just a really, she's a good listener. 
You know, one of those people when you talk to them, you just know they're there taking it in and, and feeling with you that sort of gift of empathy. There's a person like Kimiko Neighbors who's not here today. But she, she's one person that several years ago I, I started describing as one who has the gift of brainstorming. <laughs> you know, the person that you really want on your team when you're just sort of spewing out ideas, unedited, just so that you can generate possibilities. And the way in which our church, when we were first launching, benefited so much from her unbridled ability just to spew out ideas. Some of you that have artistic gifts, design gifts, like Becky Chen, who's trained in process design but also graphic design, and those cards that you have and the overhead visuals that you're seeing for this one body, many parts thing, is a blessing given to us from Becky Chen's design gifts. Thank you, Becky, for serving us this way. Joanna Giddens, who's on our staff, and it was just a joy to get to know her as we were searching for someone to fill this position of community life coordinator. She's one that I would say has the gift of administration. Look, everyone tends to think that anyone can do administration and it's just simply not true. Here's the question, can you do it with joy? Can you do it without it draining you? Can you do it in a sustained sort of way? And here's a sister, if you were to talk to her, she will say with, I mean, in a way that only Joanna can, with big eyes and a big smile, I love administration. She's weird. <laughs> right? I mean, that's proof of something supernatural going on inside of her, right? An administrative gifting. You got Leah Van Skuen who's just sort of the, the, the children whisperer in our church, right? I mean, she's like the Pied Piper, kids just following hard after her, right? Marcus Cross, love seeing him in Summer Bible Club, which, I mean, this is sort of the spiritual gift thing. If you were to talk to Marcus, and a lot of you know him, Deacon Cross, I don't know that you would immediately think there's a dude that loves romping around with kids. Like, you wouldn't think it, but if you've ever seen him with children... You are absolutely and utterly convinced here is a man that must work with children because they respond to him, because he does things that catches their attention, and not just for the sake of attention, but for the sake of getting more gospel truth into their lives in a way that they can understand. And we see that time and again, and I tell you the whole point about this gifts thing is I look at him and I say, I could never do what Marcus does. Because I'm not gifted like he is. I can't do quite what Leah does. I can't do what Kimiko does. I can't do what Joanna does. It's why I need her to be on our staff. Because you are uniquely gifted, and we can go down the list. Some of you that have unique culinary gifts, and I'm not saying you have to be an all-star or world-class in order to confidently say this is a gift of mine. Do you see it serving other people? Do you see it blessing other people? Do you see others receiving it as real love? Have you gotten that kind of feedback from others? The way some of you pray with unusual faith, where you challenge me. Yesterday at our vision brunch, Dale Jones offering up another prayer. And I said, man, every time Dale prays, I feel like he believes it. Sometimes when I pray, I don't really know if I believe it. What are ways in which you have found yourself strengthened 
by the gift of other people. Let me ask you, have you told each other? You have blessed me. You have encouraged me. You have strengthened me. You have lifted me up. You have taught me. You know why? Because how do you figure out what your gifts are? How do you discern your gifts? I'll tell you how. In community. You talk to other people. Sure, you reflect individually and you kind of assess, yeah, what are my passions? What really turns my crank? What, 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 where do I feel myself really making a difference in the life of the church or in the neighborhood? Where do I see myself having an impact? Where do I love best? You can ask yourself those questions, but you must ask other people around you as well. You must get their input. You must give input. This is your homework for the next week. Make this a season of affirmation. Turn to the people around you that you know in your neighborhood groups or in your friendships or in your fellowship time right after church. Tell people, you are really good at encouraging. You don't even know how many times you've encouraged me. You are really good at writing. Those stories that you've written almost in passing in your emails, they have strengthened my soul. You are really good at hospitality. There were times I've gone over to your home lonely and too embarrassed to tell you how lonely I was. But the food that you offered and the conversation that you gave, it wasn't anything spectacular, but it changed me that night. Tell each other. Affirm each other. Because sometimes we don't know. We don't know what our gifts are. We don't know what kind of impact we're having. We don't know how the Holy Spirit is using us in each other's lives. So yes, discern individually, but discern communally. You need to tell each other how your gifts are at work, what you see in each other. In fact, as we were designing this One Body, Many Parts initiative, we were going to include a, a, a little uh, uh, activity where we were almost going to have all of you nominate each other for different roles in the church, sort of giving a public recognition of, hey, this person is a really good conversation starter. They need to be on the welcome team. And so you nominate them for the welcome team. We're not going to do that formally, but do it. Relationally, in conversation, be bold. Say, you don't even know how many times you've broken the ice for me. Or for people in our neighborhood group, you need to be on the welcome team and nudge each other because sometimes we're afraid or we're blind and we don't know how we're gifted. We need each other. We need help. We need the body to help us know how we can serve the body with our gifts. We want to do this in a way where we are not only filling in existing positions and the existing roles of service, but where we really want to invite you to take inventory of how God has made you and then release you for creative, collaborative ministry. Because maybe there's something that you can do that we don't even know we need in order to love better in this local body, Grace Meridian Hill. Right? Or maybe there's a kind of person that you can connect with and bring the, the comfort of the gospel to. That we don't even know that we're missing out on or a certain kind of profile of neighbor that we don't even know that we're not able to attract, that you are the key to unlocking, as it were. And so we don't want to limit ourselves only to what we have but to invite you to new possibilities, which is why yesterday at our vision brunch, we went through this exercise of rehearsing the vision and the mission 
of Grace Meridian Hill, our mission being to build a gospel community that is intentionally spiritually diverse, cross-cultural, and neighborhood-centered for the good of our neighbors and the glory of Jesus Christ in Columbia Heights, Mount Pleasant, Adams Morgan, and beyond. And we sort of took that apart and said, look at this. We've got some sheets that summarize what we did yesterday. What do you currently see in our church with respect to this vision? What would you like to see us grow in? What, what would it look like for the gospel to enter in and grow in these specific areas of our vision? And what steps need to be taken in order to make that happen? And so we talked about gospel community. We talked about spiritually diverse community. We talked about cross-cultural community. We talked about being a neighborhood-centered community. And we just brainstormed together. And we would love for God to mobilize us to take a few of these pieces and actually develop new ministries, but not based upon what I say, but based upon what you desire to do. To creatively and effectively develop fresh ministries that actually bring the gospel to bear upon one another's lives. And so we will circulate what the initial brainstorm produced, and we would love for you to respond. And maybe some of you say, oh, my gosh, I would love to do that. I, I would love to help enhance the way in which we are building out our cross-cultural vision. Or I would love to be a part of a team of people that are just connecting with those who look disconnected in the church a little bit better. Strengthening the welcome team, perhaps, or doing maybe new ways of serving one another. Okay, how are we to be using this, these gifts? There are a couple of things I want to finish up on. We're running out of time here, but let me run through this because I think it's really, really important. We are talking about the nature of our gifts, and it's so important for us to remember that the, these gifts are, in fact, gifts. <laughs> if you've been in the church, this language is almost too familiar with you, but maybe you've forgotten that what we mean by calling these abilities gifts, it reminds us that they are something that have been given to us by Jesus for the good of the church. We're reminded of this in verse 5 when the apostle uses the language, so in Christ we, though many form one Body, So we only have these gifts because we are in Christ. In verse 6, again, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. The word grace and the word gifts actually in the original language come from the same root. We are given something free. We are given something outside of ourselves for our use to love each other. And this is what I want to invite you to consider as we close. If it really is a gift then that means it didn't come from you. If it really is a gift from Jesus, then that means you're called to do something with it. If somebody else gave these abilities to me, if I'm not the ultimate source of these gifts, if I really learn to treat my gifts as gifts, then it'll impact our attitudes towards our gifts in two ways. Let me talk about it quickly. Number one, soberness. And number two, stewardship. Number one, soberness. Look at what Paul says here in verse 3. In the middle, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought because of your gifts. 
Because their gifts, they didn't come from you. Right? That ability that you have to cook and bless people in hospitality or that verbal gift you have of being able to explain things to people in a compelling way. Don't get arrogant about it. It's not something you generated. It's not something you willed into existence. It's something that belongs to Jesus. You can't give yourself ultimate credit. Your ultimate calling is to use them to serve. But notice what the apostle also says. If I understand my gifts as gifts, I also won't think lowly of myself either. That's why he uses this language, sober judgment. He didn't say just bash yourself with false humility. He says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought because of your gifts, and don't think of yourself more lowly than you ought because of your gifts either. That means you cannot, you must not say, oh, my gifts stink. I'm no good at anything. Oh, or I am a little bit, but not as much as him. I'm nothing, I've got nothing to contribute, I ought to be better, where we're always comparing ourselves to other or wishing we had other gifts. No, the gospel calls us to humbly recognize gifts as gifts and therefore to be able to appropriately boast in the gifts as a way of boasting in Jesus. Well, you're not falsely humble, nor are you arrogant, but you're confident, you're quietly confident in what you've been given, and so you use it. You know, I've noticed sometimes when Paula will cook a recipe uh, for a guest, and we have people over, and it turns out pretty good, right? It tastes good, and the meal comes together, and one of our guests will sometimes compliment her as a good kind, generous guest, guest might, and they'll say, hey, that, well, that was a fantastic meal. It tastes so good. Those flavors were so great. And sometimes Paula will say, I know. And I laugh at her because it just sounds like she's eating it up with arrogance, but I know what she means, and we've talked about this and chuckled with it together. She says, I know it is, isn't it? The recipe is so good. The recipe works. I mean, she really means it as a way of saying, I take no personal credit. I'm just following the directions. I'm just going down the list, right? I didn't do anything. It's a good recipe. There's a sense in which I think all of us ought to be treating our gifts in that way as well, where you can confidently say, yeah, you know, sometimes when I write, it actually affects people. Sometimes when I cook, people are strengthened. Sometimes when I encourage, people's lives actually are lifted up. Sometimes when I show care, people who are in the pits kind of do puff up their chest and have faith to walk another day. Sometimes, 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 yes, and it's no credit to me. I'm just following the recipe. It's all glory to Jesus. You see, because we believe that our gifts are gifts from him to us, through us, then we can begin to have a quiet confidence like that. Which brings me to this last point. That it's a stewardship, too, because these gifts aren't really yours and these gifts aren't you. This is a stewardship. They belong to Jesus, so you really need to do something with it. That Christ has given these things to you, and so it's not a surprise that in verse 6 to 8, what we have here are the, is the apostle making a bunch of commands. 
I mean, it's so obvious, you probably missed it. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then maybe you should consider, you know, sometimes prophesy. No, prophesy. If your gift is serving, then, yeah, it's all right if you don't serve. No, serve! If your gift is teaching, teach. If it's encouraged, then encourage. There's an imperative. There's a command. There's an obligation of love and gratitude for those who have been gifted. You don't have the option of not using these gifts. Not if your life has been changed by the gospel of grace. Not if you believe that Jesus has united himself to you and has not only poured out grace to save you, but now has poured out grace to make you a steward of some of the most amazing supernatural powers given to planet Earth. The power to love in a unique way that only you can love. The power to change a person's life, not because of your doing, but because of the doing of Jesus. Because his resurrection life is pouring through you, through your mundane little means, your behind-the-scenes service, your little simple acts of love, but changing people, building up the body, loving our neighbor, making the kingdom come. That is you using your gifts, loving as you have been called to love. So, dear friends, what are your spiritual gifts? Do you know? Dear friends, what are your friends' spiritual gifts? Have you told them? Dear friends, will you love using these gifts in the life of the body and through the body in the life of the neighborhood? Let's do that to the glory of Jesus, the giver of all our gifts. Let's pray. So we come to you, Jesus, humbly, humbly, but thanking you for the honor of being equipped in the way that you've equipped us. Every single one of us, it's a promise, isn't it? Anyone that is united to Christ has been endowed with the gifts of Christ. Help us to live out of that wonder and out of that joyful privilege of being gifted so, and now teach us to love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing.